Okay, am I uh, turned on, Rich? Okay. Good morning. Boy, it's great to be in God's house and to, to be with all of you. Um, uh, let's, let's open in prayer. Father God, just pray that you will uh, prepare our hearts to, to hear your message from your word. Pray that we'll uh, come to understand that each one of us has been gifted by you for service, and we pray that each one of us will be encouraged to use our gifts for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I had a whole kind of introduction uh, written out here, and, and Steve and Mike have given it twice, so you'll, you'll get it a third time, and so pay attention. <laughs> We're looking at our, uh, uh, the third letter of our series on design, and do we all know what the, the design letters stand for? D is for desires, E is for, you can join in, E is for experiences, S is for spiritual gifts. Next week, we're going to learn about I, our individual personalities. G is the growth phrase. It's, it's great that Christianity is a project for your whole life. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, you'll never stop growing. The growth phase, in is for natural abilities. And all of these aspects of our total personhood or what God uses to make each one of us the unique servant of Christ that he wants each one of us to be. Uh, and, and that's exciting. You know, when we first, uh, in the planning stage, Steve sent around an email and he sent around the D and, and I sent around a skeptical email saying, well, which one's first? Which one's second? He said, no, no, they all work together. Maybe think of the spokes of a wheel. They all, you got the circle of life all around and all these spokes make you the, the, the unique person God wants you to be. And we've talked about the overall theme of our design series is Ephesians 2.10, for you are God's workmanship. I think Mike mentioned the Greek word is poema. You could say you are God's work of art. You are God's poem. You are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And, and I want to think a little bit about the prepared in advance for us to do. How many of you play bridge? How many of you play cards at all? We got... Steve Johnson will explain to you. <laughs> How many of you ever thought you'd hear a sermon illustration in a Baptist church based on playing cards? <laughs> if, if you play bridge, if you think about the fact that the good works in your life God has prepared in advance for us to do, it's like God dealt you a grand slam, and now you've got to play it out. And, and I've, always, I've always thought of it, well, I, I hope I don't miss a trick. I hope I don't miss one of those good works that God prepared in advance for me to do. But then I thought, well, we shouldn't be nervous about it because if God prepared in advance, you can't lose. You just can't lose. As, as Steve Morris explained last week, God never wastes an experience. If something is a, is a failure on the outside, what happened? In all things, God works for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If, if something's outwardly a failure, God's used it to train you. God's used it to give you more experience. God's used it to make it so that next time you have that same opportunity, you'll do it better. So it's great. You'll either do the good work or you'll learn from it. It's, it's great. Um, thinking about this series, you know, the, the first letter was desires. Uh, I thought, you know, I like to think of key verses. The key verse for the overall series is Ephesians 2.10. For desires, I think Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If you focus on God, he will help you 
fulfill the desires of your heart, both in him and serving other people. Jesus said what in, in, in John 15, I've told you these things so that your joy may be complete. Experiences. I think the key verse for experiences is Romans 8.28. We know that in all things God works together for good. But it's about time we start our own series, Spiritual Gifts. <laughs> and you are gifted. And that's the main emphasis for this week. You are gifted. And let's see. Mike warned me I'm going to be, if I look at the outline, I'm going to stop. <laughs> let's go on. Let's go on and talk about spiritual gifts. The first heading in the outline is the basis of spiritual gifts. The basis of spiritual gifts. And I have a confession to make. If I had the gift of good handwriting, this first point would be the basics of spiritual gifts. Okay? And you could see that by the second point, because in the second point, we're going to go beyond the basics of spiritual gifts. But I think this is a God thing because the most important thing to understand about spiritual gifts is their basis. And let's look at point number one. Spiritual gifts come from where? You can fill in that blank. Spiritual gifts come from God. They come from the Holy Spirit. And the, the verses, there's, there's two key verses for this whole sermon. One is 1 Corinthians 12, 17. And that says, Now to each one of us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The New King James says, for the profit of all. But it says, to each one, manifestations of the Spirit are given for the common good, for the profit of all. And 1 Peter 4.10 says, each one has not only received a gift, but each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, to faithfully administer God's grace in its various form. So, and then I think we've got up there the overall verses, Romans uh, uh, Somewhere in your outline, I think Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. I'm going to be taking verses out of those specific chapters all morning. Okay, but the most important thing, the basis of spiritual gifts, the most basic fact about spiritual gifts is they come from God. And you can see that in Romans 12, 6. If you want to keep your, your fingers in four different parts here, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, that's where we're going to be. All morning. Romans 12, 6 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Our spiritual gifts are like God's grace. It's given to us. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 7, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given from the common good. It all comes from God. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, all of these gifts are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. In verse 18, in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body. God has arranged the gifts we all have just as He wanted them to be. The basis of spiritual gifts, the basics of spiritual gifts, they all come from God. And point number two, what are spiritual gifts for? You think, well, I've, I've been gifted, so I should feel good about myself. No, <laughs> spiritual gifts benefit the church, okay? They benefit other people. They benefit other people, not, uh, not ourselves. And you can clearly see that in our, our key verse, 1 Corinthians twelve seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, what? For the common good, for the profit of all. 
If you look at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 4 and 12 and, and 26, our spiritual gifts edify the church. I told that to my wife. She says, don't use edify. No one knows what edify means. <laughs> our spiritual gifts build up the church. Our spiritual gifts strengthen the church. Uh, um, if you look at Ephesians 4.12, it's so that the body of Christ can be built up. First uh, Peter 4.10, to serve others, to minister to others. What's, what's the focus of spiritual gifts? It's outward, not inward. People think, oh, God, please give me spiritual gifts so I can have wisdom, so I can be... No, it's for other people. It's, the focus is outward. So what have we learned so far? Spiritual gifts come from God, and they're to benefit other people. They're to benefit the church. What's the third basic point? And we've already covered this one. The third point is who has spiritual gifts? Every believer has spiritual gifts. Say, no, 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 I'm brand... Every believer has spiritual gifts. And you can see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and 11. Spiritual gifts are given... The manifestations of the Spirit are given to each person for the common good. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11... All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. They've been given to each person, just as the Spirit determines. In Ephesians 4, 7, to each one of us, grace has been given. So everyone thinks, I don't have to do any work around the church. I haven't been given a gift. you got 12 verses here saying each one of you has been given a gift. Use your gift. Okay, so these are the basics. They come from God. They're to serve other people. Every person's been gifted. And now what? Every believer's gifts are different. Your gift is different from mine. My gift is different from yours. Tom's is different from Harry's. And Joe's is different from theirs. Harriet's is different from all three of them. Every spiritual gift is different. And every spiritual gift is important. We can see this in, in, in Romans again. Romans 12, verses 4 through 6. It says, just as... E-, and Paul likens... Spiritual gifts among members of the church like different members of the body. The body has different members, what? Head, eyes, ears, nose, hands, arms, legs. They're all different members of the body, but there's one body. So he says, just as each of us has one body with many different members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, the church, and each member of the church belongs to all the others we have different gifts according to the grace that's been given to us, okay? And we can see this same theme of, of diversity but unity in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit, different kinds of service but the same Lord, Di- different kinds of working but the same God works all of them and all men. You can see that we talk about spiritual gifts as being gifts by the Holy Spirit, but one thing we believe as Christians is God is what? A trinity. And here we see the triune God in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. Different kinds of gifts, but they all come from the same Holy Spirit. Different kinds of service, but they're all serving the same Lord Jesus. Different kinds of working, but the same God is working them and all of us. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18 to 20 and I think this starts about saying how important the gifts are. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 to 20. In fact, God has arranged the parts in the body. God has arranged the gifts in each believer, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, if everyone was the same, where would the whole body be? As it is, there are many parts 
but one body of Christ. Okay? And then t- verses 22 to 25. It, it, and I, I left out verse 21. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. You can't say to anyone, well, your gift isn't as important. All the gifts are important. Verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Those parts that are, think are less honorable are treated with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body, has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. When Vernon McGee talks about this, he gave a speech, uh, a baccalaureate address, and he was invited to dinner uh, at, at one of the uh, host's house, and the, his host was a doctor. And his doctor asked him the question, he said, while you were giving your speech tonight, what do you think the most important part of your body was? And Vernon McGee said, well, I'm not sure. I suppose my tongue. The doctor said, no, it was your big toe. Okay, he said, what in the world do you mean, my big toe? He says, without your big toe, you couldn't stand up. (laughs) So, and I thought, I was hoping to do something humorous here. I said, okay, who is the big toe of Grace Hills Church? (laughs) Well, in all our different ways, we all are, he says. But the parts of the body who are less presentable, Vernon McGee says, my big toe is not presentable. It's not attractive. In fact, it's unattractive. He said, but all the parts are necessary. All the parts are important. Okay, so what have we learned? Spiritual gifts come from God, right? Okay, and make sure I get it right. They're for benefiting other people. Every one of us has a spiritual gift. All of our gifts are different, and all of our gifts are important. Let's look now a little bit at beyond the basics of spiritual gifts. Okay, and the first thing I want to mention, we know that spiritual gifts are all different. There's something else about the Spirit. What is the, the fruit of the Spirit? How, who's heard of the fruit of the Spirit? Okay, that's in Galatians 22 and Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. And Paul actually writes, the fruit of the Spirit, all the fruit of the Spirit are what? The same for every believer. Every believer has the fruit of the Spirit. And if you look at Galatians 5, 22 to 23, the fruit of the Spirit, it's very interesting. He uses a singular verb. The fruit of the Spirit is. It's one, you get all of them. It's a package deal. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. In New King James says long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And if you, if what's interesting about those gifts, you think, well, there's a whole bunch of them. But Martin Luther, in his commentary on Galatians, said, you know, Paul could have said the fruit of the Spirit is, is love and left it at that. And the way you can see that is if you look at the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, you can see all these other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit are really aspects of love. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13? Love is patient. Well, there's what the fruit of the Spirit of patience. Love is kind. Kindness is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's it's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. There's self-control. Love does not delight in evil, rejoices in the truth. Goodness. Love always protects, always trusts. That's faithfulness. All the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians are all part of love. Okay? And, And... But so when we think about how God has gifted us, when we've given our lives to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in our heart, 
what are we to experience? First of all, we're to experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and all the different aspects of love. And that's the same for every believer. But every believer is also uniquely gifted by the Spirit to serve others. One thing I didn't put in my lesson, and maybe I should have, is what is a definition of a spiritual gift? And if if you want Vernon McGee as your guide, a spiritual gift is a capacity for service. You might want to write that down. It's very short. A spiritual gift is a capacity for service. And And God, through the Holy Spirit, has given every believer, each single one of us, a capacity for service in one way. Um, I think in, in my outline at this point, I, I have references to Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, and 28 to 30, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 11. And what those passages are, are various lists of spiritual gifts. And, and it, it, you can see in my, my next point, Scripture identifies certain specific gifts but Scripture doesn't limit the lists of gifts, okay? So if you look at Romans 12, 6 through 8, what are the gifts that are listed there? Prophecy, service, teaching, encouraging or exhortation, giving to others, leadership, mercy. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, he has a different list. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy. Again, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. Okay, but in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, 30, just a few verses later, he has even a different list. Apostles, he's mentioned for the first time. Prophets, teachers, then workers of miracles, gifts of healing, helps. There's a new gift he hasn't mentioned before. Gifts of administration, that he hasn't mentioned before. Speaking in tongues, he did mention that one before, but what's he leave out? The interpretation. Well, finally, Ephesians 4, 11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, there's a new one. Pastors, that's a new one. Thank goodness we have pastors and teachers. Okay, what does this mean? We're identifying certain specific gifts of the Spirit here. We can see some of these repeated prophets. When you think about prophecy, does everyone think of what is a prophet? Someone who predicts the future? Okay, let me give you a broader definition of prophecy. Prophecy is God speaking to man. A prophet gives the words of God, speaks for God to men. You see that clearly in the Old Testament. You had a couple of offices. You had prophets who speak to men for God and priests. What do priests do? They speak to God for men. And do we need these today? No. We, <laughs> we have the, the priesthood of all believers. We're all entitled to go directly to God through Jesus. Prophets, we have the word of God speaking directly to us. So we don't, we don't need these the same. But I think within the church, pastors and teachers... And, and hymns and other things communicate God's word to us. Prophecy may not be a, a gift today in the sense of, of predicting the future according to God's word, but in terms of taking God's word in the Bible and making it real for us, I think teachers can be prophets, pastors can be prophets, whoever has a word of wisdom in a small group can be a prophet. They're giving God's word to us. Um, But let's look again about these lists of spiritual gifts in Romans and 1 Corinthians. Specific gifts are listed, but Scripture doesn't limit the list of gifts. Every time Paul wrote a list, he made it different. And I think what this means is 
when you get to your life groups this week, there's a whole list of spiritual gifts with definitions. And, and I think in the back or in the church office, we may even have a spiritual gift questionnaire. Some think, I don't know what my gift is. Well, we have a spiritual gift questionnaire. You can fill out what do you like to do? What do you dislike doing? Ask other people, what do I seem to be good at? What do I seem to be not good at? But I don't think the list is limited. I think there are unlimited spiritual gifts because there's unlimited number of people and God equips each one of us specifically according to our unique design. Uh, Reading Vernon McGee, he he talked about a spiritual gift that's certainly not mis- mentioned in the Bible. He, he felt he had a man in his church who hung out at the back of his church who had the spiritual gift of keeping order in the back of the church. He said if a, if a woman was there with a young baby, he said somehow the regular church ushers would go up and tell her to be quiet and they would just make her, her mad and the baby cry louder. But this man had a gift. He would go up and talk to the woman and in his presence the baby would calm down and he would lovingly and kindly say, by the way, did you know we had a nursery? And it was great. He had a gift for keeping order in the bank of the sanctuary. I, you know, I said facetiously a few minutes ago, who is the big toe of, of Grace Hills Church? We all have a role to play and the, the encouraging thing is to find out your role and play it. Is, it. is it keeping order in the back of the church? Is it making coffee in the back of the kitchen? Is it, is it being out front and greeting and encouraging people when you come in? You know, even if someone is, is obviously gifted as Vernon McGee as a communicator, you know, complained he didn't have all the gifts. One of the gifts is listed as, as faith. And McGee said, you know, he said, um, I have a Scottish journey. I said, I'm a very pessimistic person. He says, I don't think I have the gift of faith. He says, I'm, I'm all, the glass is half empty. I'm always looking for things to turn out wrong. He said, but he always had members of his congregation come up to him, put his arm around him and say, Pastor, it's going to work out all right. He says, these members had the gift of faith and they encouraged him. What other gift did they have? The gift of helps, encouragement. It's part of the gift of exhortation and encouragement. Saying, you know, all of us maybe not be able to do everything, but all of us can spot someone who's done something for us and we can say thank you. That's the gift of encouragement. There's all kinds of gifts. Steve Morris mentioned maybe our gift is just praying for the ministry in the background. Every one of us can do that. And I think God has specially equipped some of us to do it better than most. You can pray for the ministry in the background. Um, I think the next step in the outline, I said spiritual gifts may change over time. Okay? And, and I think this you, you can maybe get into this more this week in your life group, but some of the gifts are foundational gifts. Uh, if you look at Ephesians 2.20, it says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Now, I think in terms of spiritual gifts of, of predicting the future and being an apostle you know, sent from God, that, the church was built on that foundation, but that gift may not exist today. Hebrews 2.4 talks about how when Jesus came, the great salvation that he announced was testified to by, by signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. All the apostles, all the disciples were able to heal people whether the person wanted to be healed or not because of the gift God had given them. God still does miracles of healing today, but I think that's God in his sovereignty. It's not, I don't think, a generally available gift. But boy, I, 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 you never. one thing you want to do 
What does Ephesians 3.20 say? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, to him be the glory. I never want to limit what God can do, okay, in terms of, of miracles and healings and anything else. But I don't think those, some, of, some gifts are not as available today as they were back then. Okay. Um, don't be, look at point number two, spiritual gifts. Yeah. What should you not do with your spiritual gifts? What's the worst thing you can do with a spiritual? Don't be proud of your spiritual gifts. And here I want to spend a little bit of time looking up these verses and make sure I'm getting them correct here. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul writes, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think more highly th- than you ought of yourself, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God's given you. Don't be proud of your gifts. Verse 6. We all have different gifts according to the grace given us. Why should you not be proud of your gift? It's a gift. <laughs> it's according to the grace God has given you. Uh, and that's why you can't be proud of it. Verses 15 and 16. Romans 12, 15 and 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with each other. Proud people don't live in harmony very well. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Okay, the, for the same, don't be proud of your gifts. The same idea is repeated in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 21, uh, 21 to 26. 1 Corinthians 12 says, The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Don't be proud of your gift. Don't think because of your gifts you don't need anyone else's. You need everyone else's. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Boy, Vernon McGee's tongue should not say to his big toe, I don't need you. You're not going to be given a speech if my if old big toe here is not holding you up. Okay. Every gift is important. Don't be proud. On the contrary, those parts of the body of Christ that seem to be weaker, they're indispensable. Those that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Those that are unpresentable, treated with special modesty, Our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body, has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, and that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Another verse that kind of sums this up is 1 Corinthians 4, 7. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, Why do you boast as if you did not? Everything you have is a gift. Don't be proud of it. Okay. So that's one very important lesson. Don't be proud of your spiritual gifts. But by the same token, don't be ashamed of any spiritual gift. Okay. Everyone thinks, well, my gift isn't very important. My gift isn't very useful. All I can do is make make good coffee behind the scenes. That is essential. (laughs) That is essential. Everything we think is behind the scenes is absolutely essential. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 15 and 16. He says, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And what's that saying? The foot's saying, I'm not 
I'm not as good as a hand. The hand is so delicate and expressive. It, it writes things. It, uh, uh, you know, it, it does, it waves. It does. All I do, don't be ashamed of being a foot. If you weren't the foot, the body, the hand would, wouldn't have a place to stand on. Okay? What does verse 16 say? The ear should not say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. The ear is saying, I'm not as good as the eye. I'm ashamed. Don't be ashamed. You know, the eye can see, but if the ear didn't hear the siren, you'd get run into. Okay? Okay? Every gift is important. Don't be ashamed of any gifts. And along the same lines, no gifts are more important than any other gifts. All of the spiritual gifts are needed. Okay? Verse 17, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, okay, you're thinking, what, the eye is the most important gift you have? (laughs) If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Okay? All the gifts are needed. If the whole body were an ear, well, ears, that's really important. Well, where would the sense of smell be? In fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, the gifts in every believer, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, no one part's more important than any others. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Your pages are not the same as mine, probably. (laughs) What's the last one? No spiritual gifts are more important than any others. No spiritual gifts are less important than any others. All gifts are needed. And we've already read this section in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12. The head can't save the feet. I don't need you. On the contrary, the parts that are weaker are indispensable. The parts that are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. Every gift is important. Uh, and as part of every gift being important, I wanted to do, uh, you know, talk about the unity of the body. There's a couple of verses. They're not on your outline. We're, we're, going, uh, we're going off-road here. Uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 6. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 6. I want to say there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Different kinds of service, the same Lord. Different kinds of working, same God works, all of them and all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. How do all these different gifts work together so that there will be no divisions in the body. If you look at Ephesians 4, verse 3, Ephesians 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit. You're called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, who is over all and through all and in all. The diversity of the gifts lead to unity in the body of Christ. And so I think, well, how can we have a slogan to help us remember that? Remember last week when talking about experiences, Steve Morris said, our experiences may bring us to the end of our rope, but our experiences don't bring us to the end of hope. Okay, that was great. (laughs) That was great. Can I do something as good as that? So out of many, one, I thought, well, it's been taken. I'll take e pluribus unum. No, that's not very good. It's on our money. Out of many, one. But... My life group, my life group helped me out, okay? Life group said, you may want to write this down. He says, if you use your gifts, okay, write in the fill in the right. If you use your gifts, there will be no rifts, no divisions in the body of Christ. If every part does, every member does his part, everyone uses your gift, then there'll be no rifts. The body of Christ will be unified. 
Okay, let's get back to the outline or we'll, we'll be in big trouble here. Third point is putting your spiritual gifts into practice. We've looked at the basics of spiritual gifts. They come from God. They're to serve others. Every believer is gifted. All our gifts are different, but all our gifts are important. We've gone beyond the basics. Scripture identifies certain specific gifts, but all the lists are different. What does that imply? There's no limit to the number of spiritual gifts there are. God is uniquely gifted, each one of us differently. We should not be proud of our gifts, but we should not be ashamed of them either. No gift is more important. No gift is less important. Okay, but the, the, the climax here, putting our gifts into practice. All of our spiritual gifts are to be used. And that's, a, that's the key, key point. Boy, uh, look at Romans 12, Romans 12, starting in verse 6. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. And then Paul's, one of Paul's gifts, I think, was exhortation. He exhorts the believers in Rome to use their gifts. If a person's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his face. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now, I think the most important part about using your gifts is just to use them. Um, well, at the men's breakfast last week, I, I talked about my dad, and, and one of his pithy sayings was, was, how do you notice things? You observe by watching. And we talked at the men's breakfast about uh, studying the Bible. How do you study the Bible? You study the Bible by reading the Bible. How do you use your gifts? You use them. <laughs> it's, 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 the Nike commercial says, just do it. That's the most important thing you can do. Just use your gifts. Romans 12 is interesting, though, because Paul talks just a little bit about how we should use our gifts. And one of the things was if you have the gift of, of being able to, to give, to contribute to the needs of others, how do you use that gift? He said generously, generously. If, you, if your gift is leadership, how do you govern? Diligently, diligently. So, you know, the, the sort of ironic thing, if someone is a very good leader, it's probably possible for them to, to lead or to govern very efficiently. And the temptation may be for them to, to govern as little as possible. Okay? Okay? If you have the gift of leadership, get involved. Do it diligently. If your gift is showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Boy, that's something. If you're going to serve someone else, Particularly, particularly if you're doing a gift for, you know, a favor for your wife. I say, Jeannie, I'm taking the trash out. You notice I'm doing this. It's pretty hard to do this, you know. Uh, if you're going to serve others, do it cheerfully, do it generously, do it diligently. I don't want to miss my other verse here. First Peter 4.10, and probably we should just stop with 10 because 11 is for our grand finale here. But First Peter 4.10 says... It says, each one of us should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I think the New King James said something about ministering God's grace in its manifold forms. So that's, the, our gifts are to be used, but what's the motivation to, for using our gift? What, what gets us off our rear ends and out using our gifts? The motivation is love, Okay. And all of these scripture passages talk about love in different ways. Romans, Romans 12, verses 9 and 10 says, Love must be sincere. 
hate what is evil, cling to what's good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. First uh, Peter eight, chapter four, verse eight says, "Above each other, above all things, love each other deeply." Okay. Ephesians four, verse two says, "We should bear with one another in love." Ephesians four, fifteen, speaking the truth in love. But when I talk, when you think about love and you speak, think about spiritual gifts. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, Paul spends the whole chapter in 1 Corinthians 12 talking about spiritual gifts. You know, don't be proud of them. Don't be ashamed. Be sure that you use them. They, they promote unity in the body. And then what does he say at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12? He says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. What an introduction to, to 1 Corinthians 13. And, you know, there are passages of Scripture that are just otherworldly. And in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy. Now, if you read through, Paul really thinks prophecy is the best gift. It edifies the church. It tells people about God. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I can fathom all mysteries, if I have all knowledge and a faith that can move mountains, but I don't love people, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, surrender my body to the flames, have not love, I gain nothing. The motivation for using our gifts is love. It's love for Jesus primarily, and it's love for other people. Um, I want to. I know I'm out of time, but I want to throw this in for free. All of you should know at the end of the Gospel of John, in John chapter 21, the resurrected Christ is on the beach eating. Yeah, they were surfing probably. He's eating eating breakfast with Peter. Okay, and he asks Peter the same question three times. He says, "Peter, uh, son of Jonah, do you love me?" He says, "Yes, Lord, I I know I love you." And he says, "Feed my lambs." And he asks him a second time, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And then he asks him a third time, Peter, do you love me? And it says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do I lo- do you, did, he, did he love him? And he said, Lord, you, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. Okay. And, and what happened here? What did Peter discover? He loved Jesus he really did love Jesus. I, there's an illustration there about prayer and persistent prayer and why it's necessary for us human beings to pray the same thing more than once because as we pray multiple times, we change and we grow and we learn things. But the key thing here is Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, I love you. And then what did he tell Peter to do? He said, feed my sheep. Uh, Jim Webster was, a, was an interim and a pastor here and he said, you notice... Jesus didn't ask Peter if he liked to feed sheep, okay? He asked him if he loved Jesus. And, and, and I think if you do, if you delight yourself in the Lord and follow his leading, he will lead you into doing things. I, I do love feeding your sheep, Lord, because now I realize how much I love you because I know how much you love me. Uh, and I want to feed your sheep. I want to take care of them. So, and what's the key to all of this? So like I said, I wanted to save the the first Peter 4.11 for the, the Big Bang concludes, the point of all of these gifts is to give glory to God. The Bible, the Christian life, it's all about giving glory to God. Okay, first Peter, we'll start in first Peter 4.10. says, each one of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, 
faithfully administering God's grace in its very various forms. Then verse 11 goes on to say, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. That's exactly what a prophet is. If anyone serves, whatever you're serving, however you serve, he should do it with the strength God provides and with the gift God has given you. What's the goal? So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. What did Jesus say in five, uh, Matthew 5, 16? Don't, you are the light of the world. Do good deeds so that people can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. All of you have a gift. You have it from God. Find out what it is. Use it faithfully. Let's close in prayer. God, it's, it's just exciting to... Uh, to be in your house, to be with other people, to be among our friends. And as we look around us left or right, we know that there's such an amazing diversity of people here in your church, people who bless us in different ways, informally, formally, a great deal of learning, a great deal of intuitive insight, people who serve, people who make us laugh, people who make us serious. Father, all these things are from you. Each one of us is your perfect design your workmanship, your masterpiece. Help us to look for our spiritual gifts, to be, to be grateful that they come for you, from you and to use them to serve others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.